Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Leela. And, and we, we are Both and. and. A podcast dedicated to giving a voice to the multiracial experience in America by discussing relevant topics in a safe space. Happy Multiracial Monday, everyone. It's Monday. And we're multiracial. And we're happy about it. <laughs> yes, we are. So we're happy for a number of reasons today, mainly two. One, you guys don't know this, but this is our last episode of Both And. Of season one of, of Both And. Yes. <laughs> Let's clarify. We're, we're not done forever, but we set this out at the beginning. We wanted to do 10 episodes and see how it was going. It's going pretty great. I'd say so. We're having a lot of fun. So we're going to keep it going, but we're going to take a break. We're not going to post bi-weekly for a little bit. Um, then we're going to come back with season two. Two, which will be a great time for you guys in the interim to listen to old episodes that we recorded to send us your feedback or questions or even if you have mm -hmm. ideas mm -hmm. for season two we'd love to hear them though we have we have some things cooking but yeah but we'll see what you guys want what the multiracial community is about or if there are any special guest stars you want us to bring on here we can bring on Lots of different friends and families and what mm -hmm. other kinds of perspectives you want to hear. So give us a shout. Let us know what you're looking for to keep the conversation going. Yeah. And if anybody has any connections to Trevor Noah, I'm talking <laughs> even if you're eight times removed, let us know because we'd love to have him on this little tiny podcast. <laughs> But today, to close out um, our mm -hmm. season one, we have something that is really special to us, something we've been holding because we wanted to save the best for last. Mm -hmm. And that is a document created by Dr. Maria Root. And that is the Bill of Rights for People of Mixed Heritage. Or just short form, the Multiracial Bill of Rights. Wow. wow. So we're going to go through that today. And why don't we just jump right in? Okay. I have the right not to justify my existence in this world, not to keep the races separate within me, not to justify my ethnic legitimacy, not to be responsible for people's discomfort with my physical or ethnic ambiguity. I have the right to identify myself differently than strangers expect me to identify, to identify myself differently than how my parents identify me to identify myself differently than my brothers and sisters, mm. to identify myself differently in different situations. I have the right to create a vocabulary to communicate about being multiracial or multiethnic, to change my identity over my lifetime and more than once, to have loyalties and identification with more than one group of people, and to freely choose whom I befriend and love. It's a really powerful document when you think about it. Um, I was reading an article from, well, not really an article, just someone's blog. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about the power of different proverbs that different cultures, like m many cultures will put their values in the form of a proverb. Mm -hmm. And we see that across lots of different places in the world and different cultures and people groups. And someone was even arguing that this is a set of proverbs for the multiracial community. Mm. What do you think about that? I like that a lot because it... I mean, first off, it gives us something, it gives us like a foundational document to like stand on, or it just gives us ideals. It's written ideals that we can believe in. Kind of when I read this, it's like you don't realize that you'll read like I have the right to do all these things or not do all these things. And you're like, yeah, of course I have the right. But I didn't believe it or even mm. know how to put words to it until I saw this written out. Yeah. So I really 
like it as a staple of the multiracial community uh, because it, I don't know, I think it just legitimizes our experiences and how we identify mm. um, and it just kind of brings it all together. Yeah, I I like it in the terms of these are really good values to unite the community in, mm-hmm. but I don't think this is the end all be all. You know, it is very general, but because it's general, it is expansive to lots of different multiracial experiences. Like let's let's break down the first part, right? When it talks about I have the right not to justify my existence, keep the races separate, justify my ethnic legitimacy, or be responsible for other people's discomfort. And those are all nots. Yeah. I have the right not to do those things. Yeah, I don't have to hold on to all of those things. And I, I like that because it's especially for the first parts of it of like I don't I don't have to justify my existence or keep the races separate. I think mm-hmm. you tweeted out recently why do I keep saying I'm half this or half that? Yeah. Why don't I just say I'm both like I'm both white and Japanese? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I think when you half it up, people will, they'll use that. Not, not, maybe not in the situation with you, but they'll use it for other people. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, how much of this are you? Because if it's like, if you're half and half, then it's like, well, okay, we'll give you a pass. You can do this (laughs) and that, but say, you're a quarter of something of some group Mm -hmm. people will well a quarter is not enough i think a monoracial person or somebody who's just really wants to tell you how to live your life (laughs) will say well that's not enough for you to claim these things to act this way to be this way and this is saying well i have the right to to i don't i don't even have to tell you how much i don't have to keep it separate i don't have to like justify my ethnic legitimacy um and i think that's good not just for multiracial people, but also for, I get, well, native people who are mixed. I feel like they would, with that one, I have the right not to justify my ethnic legitimacy, would encounter that a lot. You mean Native Americans? Native Americans, yes. Mm. Native to America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, like, because I hear it all the time. It's when somebody claims, and I've been, I've done it to people too, when somebody who is white passing will say, well, like, oh, I'm part of the Cherokee tribe or I'm part of any tribe where I'm native. It's like, well, how much? Like, it was your grandmother native? Do you live on a reservation? Like, you try to, mm-hmm. like, take that identifier mm-hmm. away from them, um, which isn't right. It's not a good thing to do. I think it comes down to categories. Um, when you say, or when I say, I'm half white and half Japanese, it puts my races in nice neat little boxes that Mm -hmm. don't touch Mm -hmm. you know um and i think that's part of some of the history of america you know not even just slavery or segregation but even different immigrant communities um when america was going through like the industrial revolution and um we saw lots of different kinds of immigrants coming to america they all had their own communities they had their own neighborhoods they had Mm -hmm. their own restaurants um some had their own schools not all but just like the history it's like okay all of these different races are nice and neat in their own little communities and we'll keep them separate um and so when i say half i think that's a reflection of that whereas when i say Hmm. both i'm both these things i'm no longer minimizing or turning down or downplaying really my different racial backgrounds because it really is both and you know it's not like i turn on it's like activate whiteness and like Mm -hmm. i may code switch or i may um you know try and present myself in different ways but i realize that the motivation behind that is purely for the comfort of the people i'm interacting with Mm -hmm. not the true vulnerable expression of myself Mm -hmm. 
for myself, sometimes the motivation to do that isn't just for other people's comfort, but also for my own or like for other people's discomfort, but for my own comfort. Because huh. um, if I go into a monoracial space, sometimes I feel like I need to tone down certain parts of myself just to fit in more. Mm. Um, and I don't know, you know, it's with these type of things, sometimes it's like, am I imposing this on the crowd? Is the crowd imposing this on me? Is this just like the history and like, what, where does this feeling come from? Mm, you know? So, so, so it's not necessarily like making the other people feel comfortable. It's you it, do that to make yourself feel comfortable. Yeah, it's kind of like a safety, like a protective shield is oh, okay. my identity and my race and the way I identify can be a shield to other people's expectations to the world or the situation that I'm in. But I think what's beautiful about this first clause is the fact that what you and I just described was you and I are afraid of being rejected on the basis of being more than one race. Mm -hmm. And yet the first clause is like, hey, you have just as much human dignity mm -hmm. as monoracial people. And so uh, that's freeing and it's new and it's something i'm still working on because yeah. sometimes i still feel responsible for other people's discomfort or i do feel the need to justify my ethnic legitimacy um and i do try and separate the different races within me and i i classify myself as half rather than both um but just reminding myself that just because i'm multiracial doesn't mean i have any less dignity Dude, Dr. Root is so smart. Like the more mm -hmm. we're going into this, it's I realize that first part is everything. That's the way I feel like multiracial people exist mm -hmm. without any like guidance or instruction. Mm -hmm. It's like trying to justify your existence and keep the races separate. Everything mm -hmm. that we read, like being responsible for other people's discomfort, that is stuff multiracial people will do. And she is straight up giving us the right to like throw off no, those she's mantles. not giving it to us she's reminding us of the equality that everyone shares but society doesn't teach us that we actually mm. have she's yeah. reminding us of, of basic human truths i like that yeah because it doesn't i don't know for some reason it doesn't like it's like I need to be reminded. It's like I need you know? it's like you want the permission from someone. You want an authority mm -hmm. figure to be like, here is your permission mm -hmm. to be equal with monoracial people. And so I think the second clause is interesting because the first one is like, hey, you have the same right to human dignity. And the second clause is all about racial identity development. It literally says identify in every single statement of identifying myself differently than strangers, how my parents identify me brothers and sisters different situations and that all goes with that um what label you choose to live by whether monoracial or multiracial and what kind of multiracial identity how this came to be part of your life like what experiences led you towards this and so i think it's so interesting that the parents are brought up that the siblings are brought up these close family mm -hmm. ties are brought up because so much of what we've talked about is building a community but mm -hmm. it's good to remember that the multiracial experience is also very individualized yeah um i don't know how many like blogs i've read where it's you have all the children are multiracial from the mm -hmm. same parents mm -hmm. and they come out looking way different which is so cool yeah i hope to have a family like that but it's like one sister will be white passing one brother will be as dark as the dad or like and then you have one right in the middle and it's they all identify differently. Mm -hmm. And I've even had that experience with my brother where we've identified differently, where we 
pretty much look exactly the same. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's so much of a personal thing, how you identify. And I think it's good. There is that freedom to identify as you feel in your racial identity. I'm not going to lie. This second clause makes me nervous. Ooh, hey. Because it, like when it brings up, you know, identifying yourself differently than parents, brothers and sisters, or in different situations, feels like the first one is like super freeing, right? First clause is like, okay, you have the same equal right to dignity. The second one's like, and even you're even freer to identify however you want in mm-hmm. any situation, regardless of what anyone says. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's um, from some of my Japanese cultural upbringing that like that rub against like being so individual oh yeah um it just feels like <laughs> at first it's like oh like you're a balloon and you're weightless and then you come to the second clause and it's like and now we're letting you go and so it feels <laughs> like i have no anchor mm. just reading the second clause um because mm-hmm. if everyone identifies differently mm-hmm. then where's the bond or the unity and then how do you form community around that i i see what you're saying and i i think though the what stabilizes it like what the anchor is is you're identifying as something that you are like you are identifying like it's not so freeing you can't you're half japanese half white you can't be like i am mexican that is not who you are so even if you claim fully japanese like then that doesn't that anchor wouldn't that anchor you to your japanese family yeah so i guess i need to read it not as like there are infinite options there are not because <laughs> <laughs> if that's like can identify differently than strangers i'd expect you to then i can be like oh yes i am latina and <laughs> this is my life when like genetically i am both white and japanese and like yeah that's all she wrote mm-hmm. um and so i have different choices between that of either one or the other um, switching back and forth or just both and all the time mm-hmm. and so i think putting it on a spectrum or like in a context rather than like whatever you feel it's it's fluid it's like spilling water and like let's see where it goes like oh, yeah. that makes me nervous <laughs> yeah where i'm like i need a little structure in my life mm-hmm. i think rightfully so that would make you nervous because that's not authentic to who you are mm. that wouldn't be authentic to your experiences to your family history to your ethnicity like it wouldn't be authentic if you were just claiming anything mm-hmm. the only time i think that is very helpful or a good idea is when you're talking to strangers and they're just throwing things out left and right <laughs> and then it's just kind of fun somebody once called me hawaiian and i leaned into it because i knew i was never going to see that person again <laughs> i was like i don't mind lying for fun um don't do that but <laughs> <laughs> no don't lie but yeah so i think i hope that quells a little bit of those fears yeah just understanding that racial identity is still very much steeped in race um and while you have more options of how to identify racially they're limited and there is Mm -hmm. structure because i liked what you said about being authentic um it's being authentic to who you are across multiple different paradigms of being right like genetically socially and relationally yeah um being authentic to your genetics to your upbringing and to how you interact with other people Mm -hmm. i think is important yeah well can we focus on this one because i love this one and i i don't know i have the right to identify myself differently in different situations you and i've talked a lot about that that's Mm -hmm. that protean identity that we mentioned in some of the earlier episodes yeah of 
um, switching back and forth between identifying. So I would switch back and forth between being white with some friend groups and being Japanese with other friend groups, Mm -hmm. Um, similar to code switching, but more than just the language. I've seen this a lot lately. I don't know if she meant it to be such a big deal, but Zendaya, Mm -hmm. who is a famous person, she's a celebrity. She's an actress. I think she did some singing. I don't know all about her. I just know she's been on the multiracial (laughs) social media waves because in one, there was an interview where she identified as multiracial. And then there was another interview where she identified as a black woman. And then people were fighting. (laughs) It was intense because I think the multiracial community, or at least I can't speak for the whole community. It Mm -hmm. was individuals, but there were some people who were saying when she had identified as black, she was like, no, one parent is white and one parent is black. She is multiracial. And then there was like black individuals who were coming forward and like were upset. People were trying to like, not, I don't think they were trying to delegitimize her blackness. I think they were just trying to give her room to express her multiracialness. Mm. But then on the other, other side of it <laughs> oh, were black gosh. people who were like, she's not black. She has a white parent. She is multiracial. Yeah. So it was like this really intense back and forth Mm -hmm. and it's still i still see it on our twitter when i like track if you track the hashtag multiracial you will see it yes but she has the right to identify differently in different situations and we get a a good look into what the culture thinks about that because Mm -hmm. she is a celebrity Mm -hmm. and it's just i don't know it's just so interesting to me because people have such strong opinions on it about claiming one of their own or rejecting somebody because they don't consider them one of their own Mm -hmm. um and i don't know what the right response is other than to just like shrug our shoulders and be like well that's that's how i identify so that's how i identify today in this interview right now so deuces (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. I think it just reminds me of those little kids growing up where, like, their food can't touch or they just freak out. And I think it goes back to categories of socially in America, we haven't had these categories of multiracial as long. Mm -hmm. Um, Because even when people were multiracial, there was still the one drop rule. So it was yeah. still pushing people to a one or the other and either or mentality versus a both and. And so I, I'm interested to see how society changes and these very passionate responses mm-hmm. to the shift in identity because some people would think that's inauthentic for Zendaya to identify as multiracial in one interview but as a black woman in another interview. Um, but you and I can say that like that's probably an if we empathize with her, mm-hmm. it's probably an accurate representation of how she feels in different situations because she's both and. Yeah. Because we've talked about that several times on the pod of like, you know, sometimes like, like this happens and it serves up this experience inside me and sometimes mm-hmm. this other thing happens and then I have these other experiences or, you know, like the different discomfort. And I think she, like going to allyship, she's talking about like, Want, she has a, a position of power where she can spread different messages and influence different people with her platforms. And so as a multiracial person, she can use multiple platforms. Mm-hmm. And not everyone likes that because they don't have the categories for more than one thing. And that's not on her. No. And that's not her responsibility, as we said in the first clause. Yeah. But it is. Oh, oh, I would love to get to a day where that it's just the norm. Mm-hmm. And there's no like volatile response on the other side because that type of fighting reveals a lot. 
yeah. about what people feel about the races, about mm-hmm. their own groups, about it shows a lot of tribalism, yeah. which is not helpful. But I don't know. And so then we have the last one, the mm-hmm. last clause that's all about community building. And that one says, I have the right to create a vocabulary to communicate about being multiracial or multiethnic. Mm-hmm. I have the right to change my identity over my lifetime and more than once, mm-hmm. to have loyalties and identification with more than one group of people, and to freely choose whom I befriend and love. Going from top to bottom, right? <laughs> like having a vocabulary and developing a vocabulary, I think is important in any community building situation. Um, we see businesses do it. We see social groups do it. Uh, we even see that happen in slang on social media. Mm-hmm. So I think developing a vocabulary is natural. It's normal and it happens all the time. Changing my identity over my lifetime and more than once, I think people would kind of um, pause at because identity is such a big word and people think it's this giant makeover and this big life like identity shift. But we talked about on the last episode about identity development. Mm-hmm. And I think changing my identity over my life is just that natural progression of going through the stages. Like I have the right to grow and to change. Um, and our, who we are, isn't stable across our entire life. You know, we have different experiences, we have different priorities. And I think that reflects that And it just gives us the right as multiracial people to experience that same freedom of growth and change. I actually just read that (laughs) every seven years, like people go through these major identity development processes. And I wonder how that is for multiracial people. It was something I read in passing on Twitter. So I don't know if it's actually scientific, but Um, I was like, oh, that because then I started, I was like seven, 14. I'd say after the age, like after you get into like when you get into young adulthood, it's a lot more. Mm-hmm. like that yeah because like when you go into developmental processes sorry i'm a nerd <laughs> i know these things <laughs> but like infants go through like so many changes from infant to toddler and toddler to child yeah but like the older you get the more like stable that gets to mm. i read in one of my old textbooks that like they've probably come out with newer research since then so twitter please correct us if we're wrong that like every cell in your body regenerates like Every seven years, you have like a whole oh, new batch of cells. Oh my gosh. You know, we just, we have the right to grow and change. Cause I know sometimes change is scary for people. Mm-hmm. And so you want to like put people in a corner and be like, no, never change because it scares me when you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, different racial topics are scary in society, but like giving us the freedom to grow and explore um, is powerful and it's empowering. Yeah. Oh, that was redundant. Oh, well. <laughs> powerful and empowering. All the power. Mm-hmm. And then the third one was to have loyalties and identification with more than one group of people. Which just goes along with our allyship conversations and being Mm -hmm. bridge builders in multiple directions. Yeah. And it's just something naturally, I think, from like childhood to wherever you are, to death. (laughs) (laughs) Multiracial people do because you're more in more than one group of people. Yeah. So it's I don't have to pick one because I'm not one. I've never been one. (laughs) So we're going to have loyalties and identify all over the place. But that last one is just so weighty. I have the right to freely choose whom I befriend and love. It's scary because it's vulnerable. I think friendship and love are different than allyship. Yeah. I think when I first read it, I was like, hey, I don't know if I agree with that because it means like I get to pick and choose. And we've just been talking about like being so supportive of so many different people groups and um, allying and partnering and supporting all of these different people that we are connected to these different people groups that we're connected to 
And so then to freely pick and choose, like, I don't know if that makes sense, but like, I think when you separate allyship from friendship and love and like, those are two different levels of intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so you're right. You have the right not to just follow certain social scripts Mm -hmm. simply because it makes other people uncomfortable. If that's the basis of what people are saying, then I don't think that's true. Yay. Freely choose who you want to befriend and love. So this was heavy. Beth, I feel bad about this one. Why? I think it's it just feels not positive. I feel very sad. Why do you feel sad? I don't know. I think because I feel like I'm existing in a I'm because I have been waiting for permission and I'm like waiting for society to give me permission to do all these things. Mm-hmm. And I think originally when we read this, I was very excited about it because it was like there's freedom here. But it's like to recognize that I've been waiting for somebody to give me permission and waiting for somebody to give me the freedom feels terrible. <laughs> like, I feel yeah. like I've been chained up by myself. Kind of. I mean, that's what racism does is it tries to cut mm. down and separate because people are powerful together. And that's the whole point of why we started this podcast was to start a conversation, to perpetuate these conversations and hopefully build a community out of it. I read this bill of rights a couple years ago um, and was overwhelmed by it because I saw this ideal that I didn't know was a, if it was attainable or not. Mm. And I was waiting for someone else to come and pioneer it for me. And mm. I realized that that's really lazy on my part. <laughs> um, and so not everyone's going to agree with this document, but I think the fact that everyone has the same human dignity Everyone has the same freedom to grow and change and learn. And everyone has the right to be in relationship with people, whether multiracial or monoracial stands true, whether society agrees or not. I think those are just fundamental truths of existence. Yes. And it's overwhelming to think about the work that we have to do to convince other people of this. But Mm -hmm. hey, you got me on your side. Thank you. Yay. That makes me feel good. <laughs> and we got Will. He supports us. Yay, Will. And so does my mom, because they both came on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mama. Love you. <laughs> I I think you said it right when it's just it does it's overwhelming. Yeah. Because it's like looking at this and seeing that there are other people groups who don't have to even say this out loud Mm -hmm. because it's so naturally ingrained in how they exist in the world Mm -hmm. it's just it's something they don't have to it's walls they don't have to knock down barriers they don't have to jump over Mm -hmm. it's just so easy and i think i'm just jealous of that and scared of scared of it to knock it down and jump over the barriers but i'd rather knock down barriers with you and jump over walls i think i mixed up my metaphors (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying i'd rather do it with you and with the multiracial community than by myself. Yeah, I would totally, I'm going to stand with you no matter what, Leela. Thank you, Beth. And I will stand with you. I was going to sing Stand By You, but I don't know what the copyright is. <laughs> I don't know how all that works. We're still beginners. Mm-hmm. But um, I think we've had a great first season. Yeah. Thanks we, for joining us on this journey and mm-hmm. listening and joining into the conversation. We don't know if you guys noticed, but hopefully you notice we sound a lot better oh yes <laughs> than we did when we first started and that is because of spec.fm 
spec.fm you can find them online you can find them on twitter Mm -hmm. they exist to encourage the right conversations promote the right tools and processes and provide a culture of constant learning and improvement to the global community of developers and designers and these people are amazing they Mm -hmm. gave us all this new equipment for free Mm-hmm. They gave us microphones and I don't even know what this little audio box is because I'm an amateur, <laughs> but it was because of Women of Color podcast. They're out here empowering women of color through podcasting. They yeah. they made us aware that this company was giving stuff away. Mm-hmm. We asked for stuff. We said, hey, we're women of color. Can we please have some stuff? And they were super nice, super mm-hmm. gracious. So just like big shouts out to them. Thank you. Thank you so much. You guys go follow them on Twitter or yes. check out their website mm-hmm. both uh, also follow women of color podcast which is woc podcast to check them out but it's been such a fun trip so far yeah and this is only pit stop one we mm-hmm. have so much further to go yeah so listeners um thanks for sticking it out with us so our question of the week this week and actually over the break is what have been some big takeaways from you over this past season? What are some things that you learned about yourself or about multiracial issues in general? Please share your experiences. We want to keep the conversation going, even though we're taking a short break. So please tweet us at wearebothand or send us an email at wearebothand at gmail.com. And if you're feeling froggy, go over to our SoundCloud pages where we have the episodes. There are little comment boxes there. If you comment and just talk about the episode or what you like, we will respond back and we can get the discussion started there if you don't have Twitter or you don't like Gmail. And please, please subscribe on iTunes or google music and leave us a comment or a rating that helps circulate our podcast so other people can see it um, and we can perpetuate the conversation mm-hmm. so other big thanks we want to give out to skip stone productions for doing our logo and huge shout out to key centric for doing our theme song you can follow him on spotify or soundcloud that's key centric well guys we'll be we'll be gone for a little bit but until, until next, next time, time.